But uh, what a great time of year to reflect on who Christ is and, and all of the other festivities that we celebrate. But So this morning we are going to continue our series, The Bible Doesn't Say That. Um, I've been really enjoying this sermon series. Hopefully you have too. Um, but uh, we're going to continue this series. And uh, in fact... Um, we're going to move on next week, and we're going to start looking at the, the Christmas story a little bit. We're going to take a few weeks getting into the Christmas story. So this is our last week for this series. And uh, just a side note with that, I th- there were so many of these sayings that I found. In fact, you're probably, you could be thinking of one right now, that we might even do a part two eventually. Um, so here in the near future, maybe in this next coming year, uh, we'll do a part two and we'll look at some more sayings like uh, cleanliness is next to godliness or some of those other ones you've heard thrown around. But uh, what we're doing is we're looking at sayings that a lot of people think are in scripture, but actually aren't. And when I started thinking about this this week, have you ever said something and the intention got totally mixed up? Like you're trying to tell somebody something, maybe your inflection, and this happens on the internet all the time, because there's absolutely no inflection on the internet. But uh, uh, as a word of advice, if you're a husband or hope to be a husband someday, never go home and, and tell your wife, what did you do all day? You have to be really careful, especially with the inflection on that, because in one intention, you might be like, you know, what, what'd you do? All, like, what'd you do today? Just wanting to know, like, what, what'd you do? Or if the inflection's wrong and the intention's mixed up a little bit, like, what did you do all day? Like, you know, you're not going to see the end of that. You are going to have one unhappy, significant other. Um, so I, I've had to be very careful if I ever approach Courtney and, and come home. And, and there are times when, you're, when you have kids at home and, that, and the house looks like a wreck. And it's, you have to be really careful because mom's already at her wit's end. But that sometimes we miss the intention because that... That saying, that saying that can have a good intention, just saying, what what's, what'd you do today? But if we say it wrong, the intention is totally wrong. I think many of these sayings are kind of like that. Sometimes we have good intentions or we say them and we throw them out there, but the intention is kind of missed or, or, or the truth behind it is missed. And so that's what we're doing in this series. We see that God's word is real truth for real life every day. Realizing that the truth behind some of these statements, not just the statements themselves, but the biblical truth behind them is real truth for our everyday lives that we can use every day. And so our challenge is to know God's word well enough so that we can minimize the misunderstanding. So we don't throw things out there like, what did you do all day in the wrong context? We're looking at God's word so we can better minimize getting those intentions wrong. Because sometimes when we just throw a, a statement out there without any background, we get the intentions wrong. So this morning, we're going to move on to another one of these sayings. We're going to look at this morning, God will never give you more than you can handle. So when I started thinking about this saying, do you ever feel like life is bearing down on you? I thought of this recently when we came home back from Thanksgiving, Grayson picked up a stomach bug. And if you've ever had young kids at home, or maybe you've had a stomach bug yourself, but a two-year-old isn't very good at getting himself to the bathroom to deal with his stomach bug. And so you want to see chaos, you come back from vacation, and you've got a two-year-old with a stomach bug. And we had more, I mean, when you have a little kid, you have a lot of laundry anyways. 
I mean, it, as an individual, you have a lot of laundry. Then you get married and you double the amount of laundry. And then when you throw a kid, you like quadruple or more than that. You have so much more laundry when you have a kid. But when a kid has the stomach flu, I mean, it's endless. The, it just starts piling up and there's chaos because of the sickness that's coming to your house. On top of that, you come back from vacation and there's, there's things to, to get back on track. And, and maybe, you know, you've, you've got to load the dishwasher and you've got to clean the house. and You've got all this stuff going on. But the life of a young family can be chaotic. Maybe you've had experiences at work that are chaotic. Or maybe just life in general has been uh, uh, absolutely insane. Maybe when you've seen some of this chaotic, uh, crazy things going on in your life. Maybe you felt like, man, if, if, if I could just catch a flight out of here. Anybody ever wish they're on a beach? In fact, I think there's a Blake Shelton song. Some beach, right? Wish you were on a beach somewhere. Like, man, this chaos, this craziness, like, we've got so much laundry, I don't know what to do with it. Man, my, my, like, my stuff at work is just a pile of stuff I can't ever get over. If I could just jump on a plane right now and I could be on a beach, oh, I'd be... So much better. Somewhere tropical and some time in the sun. Sometimes things in life get so crazy that it seems like we just won't, won't be able to handle it. That we won't be able to handle any of it. I think it's usually when we're explaining this because one of the things we naturally do is we kind of tell our friends and neighbors about all the things that are going on. It's usually in the midst of this that somebody or we might even utter the words, God will never give you more than you can handle. And it's usually a word of encouragement. God, God, someone will tell you, God won't give you more than you can handle. However, as I'm thinking about this and kind of thinking about the craziness of our life, lives, and, and, I, and, and, and I know our lives sometimes are just absolutely insane and it seems like so much, I can't help but think about others who have faced perhaps even greater trials. Recently, if you're following the news, you've probably heard of John Chow. John Chow went to the Sentinel Islands and was killed by the islanders there as a missionary. He probably had one really bad day that day. If I thought about this a little bit more, and I thought of a historical uh, missionary. Her name was Lottie Moon, and Lottie served for 39 years as a missionary, mostly in Shantang province. Um, she was born December 12th in 1840 in Albemarle County, Virginia, probably a rural area of birth. But, but she once wrote home uh, to, to the people that were supporting her and praying for her. She, she once wrote home and said, please say to the new missionaries, they are coming to a life of hardship. So she was on the mission field and she didn't write back and say, oh, it's awesome. Rainbows and roses, right? She wrote back and she said, please say to the new missionaries, they are coming to a life of hardship, responsibility, and constant self-denial. Disease, turmoil, and a lack of coworkers threatened to undo Lottie's work, but she gave herself completely to God, helping lay the foundation of what became the modern Chinese church, one of the fastest-growing Christian movements in the world. And Lottie Moon died at 72 she was ill and in declining health after decades of ministering to beloved, to her beloved Chinese. So sometimes we look at our, our bad day, and, and, and don't hear me wrong on this. Man, sometimes we have some really bad days. 
But imagine being like Lottie Moon or, or, or this missionary to the Sentinel Islands, John Chow. Imagine giving your life's work, your life, having a bad day every day for the greatness of the gospel. So here's my point in, in kind of getting us started this morning. I don't want to minimize any of your everyday struggles. I don't want to act like they're nothing because they are. They're real. Life's difficult. Man, if it was easy, everybody would do Oh, wait, everybody does do this. But it's tough, and it's not easy. I'm not here to belittle the real stress that you might be feeling, but I do want to acknowledge that you probably came in this morning having stress. But I want us to look this morning, as we're looking at this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle, I want to look at the fact that there is real hope in God's word for us. That there's real hope that we can find behind the truth that's behind the scripture. So uh, before I jump into the, our passage in 2 Corinthians, you can start turning there. But before we jump in, one of the reasons I think this saying is frequently used is the Bible actually almost says it. There's a lot of these that are kind of like that. The Bible actually does almost say it, but not quite. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, so a different book than we're in this morning, the one before the one we're in this morning, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I'm not actually going to preach on this passage this morning, but for clarity's sake, we have to look at this. We have to start here. So the difference between this passage and our saying, which we're looking at this morning, we're going to look at God will never give you more than you can, can handle are two major things. First, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking specifically about temptation. So he's saying God will not tempt you. That's the key word there. The difference between God will not give you more, God will not give you more stress or more difficulty or, or hard things versus temptation. Paul specifically in 1 Corinthians talking about temptation, not difficult situations. It's a very narrow application. And secondly, with that, God cannot tempt us. So we cannot say God will never tempt you more than you can handle. God won't tempt us. And so Paul, in one sense, is talking about this over here. And this is kind of where the saying gets uh, misconstrued. Paul is talking about temptation. A lot of times we open that up to more of our struggles, more beyond temptation. Now, temptation's part of our struggles. Don't get me wrong. But specifically this morning, we're going to look more at difficult situations, at stress, at, at real life, the things that we think might be more than we can handle. So this morning, I want us to look at our passage and get to the real-life situations that Paul is talking about. So if you would turn to 2 Corinthians 1, we're going to be in verses 8 through 11. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. I'll start reading here in verse 8. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us 
As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So a little bit of background on this passage. Paul is writing his second letter to the the church at Corinth. And a lot of times this is actually called uh, uh, his sad letter. And he's writing to this church, and in, in a way this church... Uh, this is the second time he's writing, in, writing to them, and this church at Corinth has grown impatient because Paul had promised he would be back to see them. It was like if we had a missionary friend that came around once in a while to visit with us and encourage us, and we were kind of anxious for them to come back. The church at Corinth was ready. They're saying, they're kind of telling Paul, we're ready for you to come back, and he's been delayed, so what does he do? He writes a second letter. That's why we have Second Corinthians. It's called the Tearful letter. And he promised them this second visit. Some of us can probably relate to their feeling like there was some craziness going on in their church and and Paul would bring this good wisdom and encouragement and and these people were just hungry for that and ready, ready for him to come back. And sometimes life gets a little crazy. Some of us might even relate with Paul Have you ever been like, uh, someone wants you to get somewhere and and you're like 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes late? I never run late. Just kidding, that was a lie. I'm I'm late sometimes, right? Anybody ever been late? So we're kind of like Paul and, and the people are like expecting us to be there. So not only do we relate with this church at Corinth, but but we probably also relate with Paul. And and we have to tell people sometimes, listen, this is this craziness. It's going on. Like, like for us this morning, Grayson was having a meltdown all morning. It was just hard to get out the door, like get, it, get his clothes on, get, it, get his shoes on. Like he just wouldn't do it. And so we might relate to Paul telling people that this is what's going on. This is so crazy right now. I'm sorry that I'm late. In the same way, Paul is being very real with this church at Corinth. He's telling the Corinthians about all that he had been going through. Paul is like... Uh, I need to get these things off my chest. You know how that is? Like, like when you are late, and you, got, you just got to tell them, like, listen, this is, what, this is what happened this morning. You can't imagine the, the morning I've had or the day I've had or the, the week I've had. And Paul is getting it off of his chest. And he's letting this church know how hard it had been. And this brings us to the first part I want to look at this morning, starting in verse 8 again. Paul's saying, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffer, suffered in the province of Asia. We, are, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So here Paul just comes out with it. He's like, the things we were facing was just too much. The things that we were going through, Paul's like, I'm going to be honest with you right now. That was just, it was too hard. It was so hard that, that we started thinking about death. Later in this same book, he kind of explains some of these. These are, again, the words of Paul. He says, I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. The Jews gave them 40 lashes because, or 39 because they thought 40 would kill you. And so they would basically take you to the edge of death. And so he'd been whipped Five times that way. He continues on. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. 
I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I love how he responds. Who is weak? I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. As we read this from later in 2 Corinthians, man, Paul had a confession. Man, Paul had to get this off of his chest. He's like, I'm late, but this is what I've been through. I've been whipped and beaten and hungry and sleepy. And he continues on and on about these hard things that he had gone through. I can't imagine what it would have felt like to be Paul and having gone through these. But as we're looking at this statement this morning that God will never give you more than you can handle, I think Paul is clear, and this is our first point this morning if you're following along in your program. God will indeed sometimes give you more than you can handle. God will sometimes give you more than you can handle. So that's where our saying kind of gets off the rails a little bit when we say God won't give you more than you can handle. Paul is telling us right here, God will in fact sometimes give us more than we can handle. So when we're looking at applying this, I want to look at it in two ways. So knowing the fact that God will actually give us more than we can probably take care of ourselves, there's two ways to look at it. Look at it. I want to look at the big picture, like a cosmic, eternal, what God's doing in the all of creation kind of thing, and then I want to look at it on a personal level. But first of all, to look at it on a, on a big picture level, the thing that we realize that, that God gives us more than we can handle is we cannot deal with our own cosmic sin by ourselves. We can't deal with our sin by ourselves. The whole Old Testament points to this. It's showing the people in the Old Testament how they're struggling to follow God correctly, and they try to deal with their sin in their own ways, and they can't do it. We have over half the Bible that explains how they struggled to do that, how they struggled to take care of the things that they needed to take care of. And they couldn't do it. But then we get to the New Testament. And that's, that's what, man, when we enter into the first part of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, like we're celebrating these days, we're celebrating what Jesus meant. It meant in the midst of all those people, in the midst of us not being able to deal with our own sin by ourselves, Christ enters the picture. It changes everything. Uh, Paul also talks about this. He says in Romans 5, Paul, Paul says the very thing that, that we can't deal with our own sin. That when we were powerless to save ourselves, when we could do nothing with it, Christ died for us. So we can't handle our own sin, but Christ, the hope is, Christ died for us. We cannot handle the weight of our sin. But that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. The perfect payment for that sin. He does everything that we can't do when it comes to our sin. But to push this a little bit further, to, to get more practical on a, a, a daily life level, 
Being a Christian does not mean that the hardships, that stress, that difficult situations, that real life problems go away. Just because you become a Christian, you don't start following Christ just to get rid of all of your problems. Christ deals with the problem of sin and he starts to iron out your life. But your life's not going to be perfect all of a sudden. Just look at Lottie Moon who devoted herself to the gospel as a missionary. Life didn't become easy. In fact, because of her devotion, it may have gotten harder. It may have been even more difficult. So there's no promise that because you become a Christian, because you allow God to start working on your sin, that that your sins is going to stop. Paul, again, was a great example of this. Now now let me pause right here uh, for just a second. If you feel like your stress is sometimes too much, if you feel like just the weight and burden of life is too much, like it's more than you're going to be able to handle, more than you're going to be able to deal with, it's okay. Like sometimes we come to church and we think, man, because I'm trying to follow Jesus, I can't be real about my stress and my difficulties. Sometimes we come in here and we think, you know what, I got to kind of put on a happy face because... Because, uh, like, you got to be perfect around other people. What Paul is telling us here is that the fact that we've, we've, we've got to be real about it. And we've got to give those things to Christ. We're going to touch on that more. So, so hang with me as we work through this passage. But, it, but if you're a Christian, if you're trying to follow Christ, and it sometimes seems like too much, when the house is crazy, the laundry's piling up, the, your job is driving you nuts, it's okay. It's okay to be stressful. It's okay to be burdened by what you've got going on. But the key is what we do with that stress and that burden. If you feel like you're at your breaking point and if one more thing goes wrong, you're going to go absolutely crazy, it's okay. But tune into the second part of this passage and we're going to look at what we need to do with this, how we take that stress and that burden and the things that make life just seem so impossible sometimes. And if you get anything from this passage, this is the biggest thing that I want you to get, the biggest takeaway this morning, the main theme from this passage, when we're looking at this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle, I think the better way to put it is God will give, God will give you more than you can handle, but he will never give you more than he can handle. Now let's look at how we never, how he never gives us more than he can handle. Let's see how he actually gets us there. So Paul continues on in the passage. Look at verse 9 with me and see what he says here. Verse 9, he says, in, Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. He, he's saying, man, it was so stressful, so burdensome, that we felt like death was at our doorstep or death could be a better option. But I love how he continues on. So they suffered in the, the, the province of Asia, and the sentence of death is at their doorstep. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So he moves on from being honest about his real struggle. He's like, man, I've had one bad day. I've had, I've, had a bad, I've had a bad couple of years, is what he's saying. It's been tough. It's been really hard, and the stress and the burden is almost like death, but he moves on from that honesty, and he starts to provide the hope. 
Even though he's real and he admits the mess that he's found himself in, Paul makes his point by switching his tone. And everything that's happened to him and all these things he's laying out that, that he talks about later in his book, he sees the bright side in all of it. He sees the fact that he does not have to rely on himself. He sees that in all of that, that, that hardship, he has God and he doesn't have to just take it on all by himself. Again, if you're taking notes, this is our second takeaway. As a Christian, when it comes to our ability to handle things, it's we, not me. When it comes to our ability to handle the hard things that God gives us, it's we and not me. I think this is really where kind of the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle, kind of, kind of gets off even more off the rails. And I think when we think about the other aspect that God will never give us more than he can handle, this is where that gains traction. That's what Paul is getting at here this morning. When the going gets rough, when we are facing one of these rough days that, that all of us have, when it, when it gets almost too much to bear, we don't have to be the Lone Ranger. You don't have to take it solo. You don't have to try to take the burdens all by yourself. And the first way that God does this is through the gospel. We were touching on that in a minute ago. He gave us Christ to overcome the weight of our sins. So you don't have to be a lone ranger when it comes to your sin. Christ had died on the cross to deal with your sin. Look at how he uses the idea of death even in this passage. In verse 9, he's talking about that. He's saying that, 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 that in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. He's using this idea to point to the fact that Christ has resurrected and conquered death. He's comparing these struggles to a death sentence. But then he says, hope is in the power of what Christ has done. Hope is in the power of Christ's resurrection. For us, God is able to make the power of Christ's resurrection evident in our lives. Another way to put this is with our struggles, with the things that bear us down, the things that stress us out, the things that we, that we could just complain for hours about, Christ's gospel comes to bear because that's not the end of the world. It's not a death sentence. We're looking at all this craziness when, when the kids are crazy or your house is trashed, when you get fired from your job, when the, the bills aren't getting paid, there's not enough money in the bank. There's still hope that God has a plan. There's still hope in that midst, midst of what's going on. Just think if you were Paul. You're going through a shipwreck or you're getting whipped 39 times. That'd be really easy to start thinking that that was the end. But he still had hope because of what Christ had done, because of Christ's gospel. But I think there's more to this. Secondly, we don't have to be alone when we follow Christ because he has given us the church. I talk about this when we do baptism. I think the really cool picture when you come out of the baptismal waters is you've got, you've got friends and family here waiting for you. You've got someone physically with a towel that's going to take that towel and wrap it around you. 
They're going to say, I love you and I'm here with you. So baptism is a public declaration that you're making, but it's also a declaration that you were part of the church. What I love about the church is that the church is meant to bear a place where we bear one another's burdens, to really be there for one another. That's what I hope we push towards as a church is to move to a point where, where we can shoulder one another's burdens, where we can say, I'm with you. Be honest about your struggles because I'll walk through you with this. I'll walk through this with you. I'll be with you and, 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 and be alongside you. The, the, the heartbeat of a real church, a good church, does that. Where we don't put on a fake face on Sunday mornings, but we're real with one another. We say, man, I'm struggling right now. And we go to one another and say, you know what, I'm, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm walking alongside you. Christ created it that way. Not only does he help us with our sins, but he instilled, he, he left his church so that we can bear one another's burdens. So that we can help one another out so we don't have to be a lone ranger as we try to follow Christ. So the church is here to help you bear your burdens. So don't bottle up your struggle and just keep it to yourself. Find somebody, get to know somebody, and start walking alongside them together in your struggles. We're reminded that we're not alone. It was, I think it's ironic, even here, Paul is writing to a church. The church wasn't alone because they had Paul. Paul wasn't alone because he had that church. This point is proven by the very fact that this book exists. It's encouragement to one another. But building on this point, we read the last part of this passage. If you look at verse 10 with me, we'll see how Paul kind of wraps it up this morning. He says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So when we look at verse 10, verse 10 reveals a future hope that God has for us. Again, if you're taking notes, the last point this morning is by his grace, he continues to restore us time and time again. By God's grace, he continues to restore us time and time again. For Paul, there's two sides to this. First of all, God's intentions for him are good. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that. When the going gets tough, I have to remind myself God's intentions ultimately are good for me. He wants goodness for me. That's what Paul's getting at. And second of all, he will never let him stumble. He'll never let us stumble or fall beyond recovery. He's saying God will never let us, when, when he's saying that, 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 that it's too much to bear, God will never let us fall further when we follow him, will never let us fall further than we can recover from. I think as we look at kind of applying this to our lives, Paul speaks just as exuberantly about this fact as he does about his trials. So he's probably, you know, if he walked into the room, if Paul could walk in here right now, he'd probably be like, man, you guys, the day I've had, you know, he's like, the week I had, if I could just tell you, and he's probably pretty frustrated at the beginning of this passage, and then he gets to this point and he says that Christ, that in Christ there is hope. 
And he's probably as fervent as he was about complaining about the things that he struggles with. He's just as, not, just as excited, if not more, about the hope that Christ will never let us stumble or fall beyond recovery. What he wants us to hear is that when we follow Christ, when we rely on him and not ourselves, our struggles won't completely cease, but we can expect better things in the future. When we're followers of Christ, even though all of our stress and difficulties don't go away, we can know that eventually there's hope down the road, that we can get beyond those struggles, that if we're obedient to follow Him and and start living our lives in a way that looks like Christ, there's hope that we will eventually see brighter days. But more importantly, he's saying that the greatest thing that we could ever have, that everything we could ever have is found in Christ, both for this life and the next. So he's saying, saying there's a brighter future, and the way that we have that brighter future is in and through Jesus Christ. What this means for us on a real level is that our affliction, our stress, our difficulty, the crazy day. Are you guys ever glad when the crazy day is over? It's like you go to sleep and you're like, I'm glad this day is over. And you wake up and it's a new day, right? What this means for us on a real level is that the affliction is momentary. And no matter if, if you swear, no matter if you give up in the moment of weakness or, or you treat someone poorly because the stress is becoming too much or you make a bad decision in a relationship or you make a bad decision in business, God has a plan, and we, and if we are faithful to follow him, he will restore us. He'll never let us fall to the point of not being restored. So as I kind of come to conclude this, passage, this, this message this morning, the challenge for us is what is our mindset? Mindset. Are we too overwhelmed? Or when we get overwhelmed, what do we think? Do we try to go at it as a lone ranger? Or are we starting to think God will give us more than we can handle, but he will never give us more than he can handle? I love what Paul does. He gives us the encouragement in the beginning of this passage, starting in verse 3. He says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to hear in the midst of stress. If you came in this morning and you've got a a head full of of things going on, if if you've got something back home that you're dreading going back home to to take care of, if you've got something this week that that you just don't want to handle, this is what I want you to hear from the beginning of this passage this morning. Praise be to God, to to the God and, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. There's comfort and God, who comfort us, comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So when we're looking at our stress and the things that seem to overwhelm us, and we're thinking about the idea that God won't give us more than we can handle, just remember that our hope is found in Christ, that we can overcome these things because of the the good intentions that God has for us when we follow 
Jesus Christ as our Savior. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes.